letter six of the outcast by william winwood reed this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine letter six my father approved of the match and promised me a liberal allowance the marriage was to take place in a twelvemonth captain jameson did not deign to give us his blessing being deeply offended with his sister for her refusal of fitzclarence for he preferred a brother-in-law with a handle to his name his father's sentiments were not dissimilar but he took the trouble to conceal them having come to the conclusion that it would be foolish to refuse the heir to a large fortune because the heir to a still larger fortune and a peerage had been lost so he was always loud and boisterous with me to show his cordiality one day at luncheon he winked and said the bishop has a good opinion of you master ned a deuced good opinion of you i said i was glad to hear that i was so honoured no prelate was more loved in his diocese or more distinguished on the bench cannot you remember what he said dear papa asked margaret blushing with pleasure i should rather think i could he replied mr jameson said my lord mr jameson said he our young friend did well at college damned well and by jove he'll do the right thing by your parish oh papa exclaimed margaret he could not have said that well my dear said her father somewhat confused i don't mean to say that he used those very words but that was the general sense a servant came in with the letters of the afternoon post mr jameson's face fell as he examined the blue envelopes ah muttered he i know what these are well enough reform reform is all the cry i wish they could pass a bill for reforming extravagant sons you know dearest edward said margaret as we walked to the rectory together robert spends a great deal of money papa would send him into the guards and we have heard that he gambles at crockford's and he is so dreadfully conceited he would not even look at miss brown when she was here his wife he says must have three things birth beauty and money or blunt as he calls it now as he has neither of the three to offer in return but your father is rich said i margaret shook her head papa she said was in such a hurry to be a country gentleman that he gave up his business too soon and though he is an excellent manager and spends very little money on himself he does not seem able to refuse robert anything the rents of the farms on the estate just cover our expenses down here and i fear that papa's other money is going very fast when he asked me to marry fitzclarence he said my girl you must not marry a poor man for if at any future time you should want money god only knows whether i should be able to assist you dear margaret thought i as i went up to my library when we are married you will not need any money from your father none of these sordid cares shall trouble your life i sat down in my armchair and abandoned myself to reverie i had now found in love chaste secure requited love that calm of mind which i had sought in monkish devotion no passion disturbed me no disquietude alarmed me no sad experience made me doubt my future happiness i knew not the dangers of life i pictured myself the rector of a large parish and margaret the queen of our world distributing her bounty to the poor alleviating their miserable lot often we had planned and plotted together how we could do good and i saw her seated by my side after the labours of the day and rosy-cheeked children clambered on my knees and the love of my children unborn filled my heart 
and i revelled in anticipated joys while thus i was wrapped in sweet meditation i observed lying on the table before me a large brown paper parcel which must have come down by the london coach that afternoon i found that it contained lyell's principles of geology and some other works upon that science i supposed these were sent by the disappointed rival and with no good intent and as i turned over the books a letter dropped out it was without an envelope and as follows dear youth here are the books you ask for that is the grand work of lyell and the orthodox attempts at a reply why on earth do you want them are you going to study these problems if so it would be better than some of your other occupations i hear that you go very often to the top of st james street ah beware impossible to accept your invitation i only go to reform dinners nowadays i talk think dream of nothing else all is going on well we are certain to succeed lastly oblige me once for all by not writing as you do about a certain young lady i admire her i esteem her i love her it was my fault that she could not love me but it eases my vanity to know that there was a prior attachment Fitz. it was now evident that the books came from the captain who had mislaid the letter in the parcel i thought i could best disappoint his benevolent intentions by reading them carefully through in fact i had intended to order from london the latest works upon geology as i considered it my duty to study the enemy's arguments in order to be able to refute them i began to read the principles at once and was soon captivated by the beauty of the style the modesty of the author and the wondrous world he opened to my view there was not an allusion to theology in the book which i read all through like a novel with no sensation but that of enjoyment but when i remembered afterwards the duration of time and absence of catastrophe on which it insisted i was seriously troubled and i read it again now well on my guard and in a hostile attitude of mind but i could discern no flaw in the reasoning and could only venture to hope that the facts were not to be relied on having spent a week upon the principles taking many notes and honestly forcing my brain to receive ideas it did not like which i found at first very difficult i took from the parcel an orthodox work which was then of much repute in the religious world this book settled the matter in my mind it was not unfairly written admitted the facts which science had established and tried to reconcile them with the mosaic account of the creation it was most ingenious a perfect specimen of special pleading but nevertheless could only deceive those who wished to be deceived no doubt the author was among that number i do not question his sincerity there was also a pamphlet in the parcel written by a clergyman who allowed that the first chapter of genesis could not be accepted as a literal truth but argued that it was of no consequence as the bible was intended to teach us religion not to teach us geology for me it was enough that there was one mistake in the bible that proved it could not have been written by god the next six months i devoted to biblical studies i read the bible all through with no commentary but that of common sense and the scales fell from my eyes never did i more keenly appreciate the beauties of the book as a literary production but i found proofs in every page that it was written by men and by men immersed in superstition i passed many unhappy hours for old beliefs are not torn up without a pang 
but my chief feeling was one of burning shame that i could ever have credited the many profane and ridiculous fables contained in the bible it seemed to me an awful blasphemy to assert that the great god of heaven clothed himself in the body of a man and i prayed him to forgive me for having believed it my conception of the creator was ennobled my devotion was increased a pure and sublime theism reconciled me for the loss of some illusions thus i did not suffer as much as might have been anticipated but i was a clergyman i was the priest of what i now believed to be a pagan religion and received money to teach what i knew to be false i felt it incumbent upon me at once to leave the church and to enter some other profession mr watson the rector of the neighbouring parish frequently visited stilbrook court his wife was a friend of margaret's and he i knew was a man of temperate views who would patiently hear what i had to say and advise me how to carry out my resolution end of letter six recording by expatriate in bangor maine